Hall of Shame is brought to you by Philo. Do you love TV but hate the size of your cable bill? Philo is your solution. It offers more than 50 channels of TV live and on demand for just $20 a month. Retina, all I have really been doing is watching TV and staring at a wall. What are you watching these days? My kids and I are like obsessed with the Barefoot Contessa on Food Network, which Philo has. <laughs> it's so... We can't get enough of her soothing voice. Are you making your children watch this so that they'll just start cooking for you eventually? Oh, my kids already cook for me, girl. Yesterday they made zucchini bread. <laughs> what? Your children are like three and five. What's <laughs> happening? They're four and 11, but okay. <laughs> okay, I was not close at all. With Philo, you save hundreds a month on TV. It's the most affordable way to watch at a time when everyone could use some entertainment in their life. Philo was created by a bunch of passionate TV fans that wanted to make a better way to watch. There are no contracts. It's court-free, commitment-free, hassle-free, and provides unparalleled customer service. One of the better features is its unlimited DVR, which allows you to save all of your favorite shows you can watch it all on your own schedule. It also allows for multiple profiles and multiple streams so everyone in the house can have their own safe shows in up to three simultaneous streams. Never fight over who gets to watch the Barefoot Contessa and who's watching I don't know, Peppa Pig. <laughs> Philo is easy to use, super easy to sign up, and you can watch by phone, laptop, tablet, or TV with Roku, Fire TV, Apple TV, or Android TV. Philo is TV for everyone. Sign up today at philo.tv slash shame, and you will get 25% off your first two months. That's P-H-I-L-O dot TV slash shame. Hey guys, I'm Rachel Bonetta. And I'm Rechna Fruchtbaum, and this is Hall of Shame. Okay, Rechna, last week I told you the story of Ron Artest and Malice at the Palace. It was a doozy. I'm still buzzing from it. Exactly. I realize there is so much to talk about with Ron Artest slash Meta World Peace that we needed to split it into two episodes. This is our first two-parter. I'm so excited. He is easily one of the most interesting athletes in the entire world. Truly fascinating. So we're picking up where we left off. But before we do that, here's a little recap of part one. As Rechna would say, buckle up. <laughs> Then Wallace is fouled, and Wallace did. Oh, Wallace! Right at our test. This has potential to be serious if they don't get between. Now our test has jumped over the scorer's table and is trying to get down to the bench. Our test is in the stands. Oh, this is awful. Fans are getting involved. Steven Jackson's in the fans. Rasheed Wallace going into the stands. The security trying to somehow restore order. So our guy, Ron Artest, has had a pretty tough time. As a reminder, he grew up in the nation's biggest housing project and from a young age suffered from bad anxiety and anger issues. Though he was known for his temper, Ron was undeniably an incredible basketball player. In high school, he was named New York City's co-player of the year. He went on to play college ball. Even though his time on his college team was tumultuous, he was drafted into the NBA and selected to play for the Chicago Bulls. His mood swings and anger issues, obviously, followed closely behind. Causing problems on the court, the Bulls had had enough of his antics and Ron was traded to the Indiana Pacers where his issues with mental health kind of only got worse. 
In a highly anticipated game against the Detroit Pistons, bad blood lingered between the players, and after an aggressive foul, a violent shove, and heckles from fans, all hell broke loose, and a massive brawl ensued, what we all now know as malice at the palace. In the aftermath, players involved, including Ron, were suspended in order to pay millions of dollars in fines. It was a straight-up mess, and this is arguably the lowest point in his life. His mental health was having devastating effects on his career. So things are bad, not ideal for our dude. That was part one, Malice at the Palace. Now let's get in to part two, Meta World Peace. All right, so where we left off, Ron Artest is going through it. The Pacers, they are in trouble. Their top players are suspended. They feel like they probably have to rebuild their appearance, the team, the reputation, all that hard work out the window. After things calm down, slowly the guys started to come back as their suspensions are up and finally so did Ron surprisingly the team was pretty chill about it towards Ron some would say welcoming even okay it seemed like they all kind of understood his mental state a bit better and and maybe I don't want to put words in their mouth but maybe felt a little bit bad for him. Sure. And maybe also they were like, I have some relief because it's contextualizing moments that now I'm like, oh, that's what was going on. Yeah. And something that we established in episode one is that Retro and I are full on pussies and do not get into fights. No. But I would assume that getting into a giant brawl, that's kind of connecting. I would assume there's relationships formed between fists. As far as everyone knew, Things were starting to go back to normal with the Pacers. Ron was playing well. There hadn't been any new outbursts, which, you know, if if you listen to episode one, it's kind of shocking. Right. The team was back on track, or at least they thought. Ron starts talking to the media, which is just a a big no-no. Yeah. He told the Indianapolis Star in December of 2005, I think I caused a lot of problems here. If the trade rumors, if there is any truth, maybe it won't be a bad thing. They probably could win more games without me. He went on to say he wanted to be traded. He wanted a chance to shoot more and hoped he'd end up in New York. This was big news. The story got picked up by a ton of places. But the problem is, sure, he was talking to the media. He wasn't talking to his teammates. He wasn't saying those things to his manager. Right. He wasn't saying those things to his new friends that were th- those relationships were bonded over punches and kicks. You know? Yeah. Like Steven Jackson's like eating cereal, listening to the radio. And he's like, what? <laughs> what <laughs> what is happening? I literally just had your back in a basketball riot, my dude. <laughs> So this obviously comes as a shock to the entire team. Jermaine O'Neal, the Pacers captain, said he felt really betrayed. He said, I'm not going to answer any more questions about Ron Artest. Ron doesn't want to be here, so Ron doesn't matter anymore. Oh, shit. The Pacers chief executive, Donnie Walsh, was like, that is not professional to do. Fair. And it isn't the way you get a trade done also. Right. But Donnie Walsh also was like, okay, if you want out so bad, then we don't want you here either. So Ron's agent, clearly trying to do some damage control at this point, also gives interviews being like, no, 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 (laughs) jokes, just kidding. Ron really wants to stay with the Pacers. He also wants to be a stand-up comedian. (laughs) (laughs) Honestly, I wouldn't doubt if that was coming in the story. He already worked at (laughs) Circuit City. Uh, Everyone's confused, okay? Yeah. Uh, Ron ultimately... The the story goes, he felt a lot of pressure when he got back with the Pacers. I understand. I get it. You kind of fucked up an entire team 
that was supposed to be pretty dope. I mean, Reggie Miller, if you're not familiar, he was an incredible basketball player. He retired at the end of that year after Malice of the Palace and never won a single title uh. in his career. A lot of people put the blame on Ron for that one. And Ron said he just couldn't shoulder it. I mean, I get hmm. it. That would seem intense to go into a locker room. It's like, oh shit, all you guys just got suspended for me. You got hurt for me. And now I'm supposed to step up and be this incredible player and take you to the finals. Like, that's a lot. Yeah. And, you know, and that's your job you're paid to do. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. I forgot he's getting paid millions. Never mind. (laughs) So like I mentioned, the management ended up saying, fuck it, leave. So he did. He was traded to the Sacramento Kings in January of 2006, like midway-ish through the season and about a year and change after Malice at the Palace. By the way, fun little ad here. In the midst of all of this, him getting traded, chaos, Ron put out a rap album. So like I was saying, comedian, not far off. The album was called My World, which included the hit jam called Haters with a Z. I just want to like take a minute to talk about his hyphenates. We're talking basketball player, rapper, perhaps a stand-up comedian, Mm -hmm. Circuit City sales associate. (laughs) There's just like a lot he brings to the table. (laughs) I love it. His resume is stacked, some would say. Yeah. But back to basketball. So just to rehash, he got traded to the Kings, okay? At first, things seemed to get better, as they do after he switches teams Mm -hmm. and starts anew. He's done it a couple times now. Kings went on a 14 and five run, their best run of the season. And they even squeaked into the playoffs. Huge for Ron. Things were going good until Ron seemed to dip his toe back into his old antics. In game two of the playoffs, Ron fouls a Spurs player with an elbow to the head. Classic Ron. He gets ejected for the rest of the game. Ultimately, they flop out of the playoffs. It's okay. Ron's got an entire season to get his shit back together. But then... In 2003, Ron had gotten married to a woman named Kimsha Hatfield. They had three kids, but by 2007, things were not looking so good. Ron was arrested for a domestic incident with his wife. He allegedly shoved her to the ground a few times. She threw a pot at his car, shattered the windshield. Ron was arrested and then released on a $50,000 bail. Come on, dude. Be better. It's like you want to cheer for this guy because you feel like this is at a point. He's at such a low, you know? Yeah, and he's gone through so much, and you know, and it is, there's a bar that's like different when your life has had so many hard circumstances. And then there's this, there's something like this, then it's just like, okay, wait, well, is this guy a piece of shit? Yeah, correct. It's complicated. We move forward. Police said he was very cooperative, no problems, which is very wrong at this point. Quiet storm, as I've mentioned. Right. But the media was like, here we go again. You know, kind of like you and I are feeling right now. Every article I read about this mentioned malice at the palace. Right. Obviously. And gestured to this being like par for the course. Mm -hmm. He was sentenced to 100 hours community service and he had to undergo substantial counseling and anger management classes, which at this point I feel like are way overdue. Yeah. The bare minimum. And there were also professional consequences for Ron. The Kings president came out and said Ron was going to be excused from the team indefinitely, which is like, holy shit. Is this guy ever going to come back and play basketball again? That's kind of what I feel like when I read that sentence. But 
then he only actually ended up sitting on the bench for two games and played the rest of the season, which I think is pretty hardcore bullshit. I feel like a lot of leagues have a difficult time with their suspensions with men when it comes to domestic violence. And yeah, I mean, that's a whole other (laughs) podcast, but agreed. That's for a different podcast, but there's no consistency of consequence. Yeah. So after his suspension was lifted in March of 2007, Ron returned to the Kings and had this really big press conference. And he was visibly, you guys can look it up and, and watch this. He was visibly having a very hard time. I mean, it's kind of uncomfortable to watch. He's sitting there. He's quiet. He's awkward. He's sobbing. Oh, my God. He's just sitting there crying. And like no one had prompted him. No one asked him anything. He literally just sat down and maybe somebody asked him like, hey, Ron, how's it feel to be back? And he just couldn't even answer. He was just quiet. It seems to me that this was the first time he was finally showing like true signs of remorse that I I really don't think we had seen from Ron up until this point. I think it had to take him some issue with his family to happen for him to be like, okay, maybe I need to start looking at myself in a different lens and figure this out. So he played one last season with the Kings, and when his contract came up, they didn't extend him. Fair. I get it. Sure. But the thing is, Rashna, Ron Artest was an incredible basketball player. Yes. And he was still in his prime. He was still playing great ball. So he's too good a player to be sidelined forever. Onto the Rockets he went. Now here's where shit starts to pick up. I can't believe I just said that because we've already been on a roller coaster. (laughs) Now I need like not just my seatbelt buckled in, but that weird five strap harness that's like an infant (laughs) seat. (laughs) I need like a safety guard that you would wear on a roller coaster that you might die on. (laughs) I need that. In 2008, Ron Artest joins the Houston Rockets, and this team was sick. He was already joining Yao Ming, Tracy McGrady, who I love, who played on the Raptors for a little bit. People thought they were going to be nasty, and they were. This was a sick squad making it into the playoffs for the first time in 12 seasons. So Houston fans are like, thank God, these three. Yeah. Things are changing. Finally. Yeah, finally. A lot is forgiven when your team starts being awesome. In those playoffs, uh, they come up against Kobe and the Lakers. R.I.P. And Ron's defense was up all the way. And he was all over Kobe. He finally pissed him off enough that Kobe elbowed Ron in the throat. At the end of this game, Ron was so heated, he ended up actually getting ejected. You're out of here. The refs thought he was making a throat slashing gesture at Kobe, but actually he was just reenacting the elbow that Kobe threw at him and was ejected for nothing. Like, hey, refs, remember I just got knocked in the throat? Yeah. The hard thing when you're Ron Artest is you stop getting the benefit of the doubt. Yes, 1000%. They're immediately to like, he said he was going to slit my throat. Yeah. (laughs) Immediately. Yeah. (laughs) The Rockets got knocked out of the playoffs and the Lakers went on to the finals where they lost against Boston. And guess who was in the stands front and center watching as a fan? Jack Nicholson. (laughs) No, it was Ron. After the Lakers lost against Boston, Uh Ron actually went looking for Kobe. Kobe later explained how it went down. It's an incredible story. Let me tell it real quick. Kobe was in the shower coming off the loss, Uh the finals loss. Yeah. He's in the shower, maybe not in the best mood, but that didn't stop Ron. Ron waltzed right in and said, (laughs) looked him in the eye. Okay. To a naked Kobe. Kobe's lathered up, (laughs) soaped up. Okay. (laughs) 
Maybe just finished sobbing to himself. That's like that scene from Pitch Perfect where she's like, I heard your voice. (laughs) Anyway. Ron comes in, looks Kobe in the eye and says, I'm going to find a way to come to L.A. and help you win a title. Honestly, a very cute, touching moment. Kobe's butt naked. (laughs) What is happening? This is amazing. (laughs) Yeah. So I admire the determination because it happened. Ron signed with the Lakers the very next season. He sure did. A five-year deal worth $33 million. I'm wondering if Ron secretly had a dream board. Because like maybe he just like put this into the universe and then it happened. He like, secreted things it? Things he keeps on putting out into the universe, they just keep on happening. They keep on happening. Do I make a dream board? I literally in my head was like, note to self, buy a poster board. <laughs> <laughs> This move to the Lakers really marked a turning point in Ron's life. We need that turning point, okay? I'm starved for okay. it. I do have a feeling the turning point happened because he's playing with Kobe. I mean, Kobe is the GOAT. You're going to want to get your shit together if you're going to play with somebody of that caliber. You don't want Kobe thinking you're a loser. Yeah. You've already been in the shower with him. But the problem is people both in and out of basketball, maybe Kobe included, still kind of thought of him as the old Ron. Wacky, temper tantrum Ron. Yeah, I mean, fairly. Absolutely fairly. I continue to be wary as you tell me for the 15th time we're at a turning point in this story. (laughs) Well, guess what? We are at a turning point, but you're going to have to wait because we have to take a quick break. Hall of Shame is brought to you by BetterHelp. Are you stuck at home feeling isolated, worried about the state of things? I know we are. Yes, all those things. All of the things. BetterHelp offers online professional counselors who can help. You can talk to a licensed online therapist and find relief. BetterHelp therapists specialize in issues such as depression, stress, anxiety, relationships, insomnia, family conflicts, and more. You'll connect with your counselor in a safe and private environment. Anything you share is confidential. Simply fill out a questionnaire to help assess your needs and get match with a counselor you'll love in less than 24 hours. Easily schedule secure video or phone sessions with your therapist. Plus, we love this part, exchange unlimited messages. If for any reason you are unhappy with your counselor, you can request a new one at any time for no additional charge. You can get professional help when you want it, wherever you are. BetterHelp is a truly affordable option and our listeners get 10% off your first month with the discount code SHAME. So why not get started today? Go to betterhelp.com shame. Let's like obviously just point out that shame should not be a part of this process. Yeah, there's no shame involved. It's just a code, guys. Talk to a therapist online and get help. Hall of Shame is brought to you by Policy Genius. There's never a bad time to save money, but now more than ever, finding smart ways to put some cash back in your pocket can make a big difference. One way to do that is to simply save on the things you already pay for, like home insurance. If you own a home, reshopping your home insurance rates with Policy Genius could save you a good chunk of change. And the best part is you barely need to lift a finger to do it. First, head to policygenius.com and answer a few quick questions about yourself and your property. Rachel, have you done this? I actually just did. We were just shopping for home insurance and my boyfriend was doing all the heavy lifting and I heard him in the office get a phone call. It was policy genius. And I swear to God, I'm not making this up. He went, whoa, that was really fast. And I know that sounds ridiculous, but these guys are that good. I love it. After you fill out the questionnaire, policy genius will compare your policy against options from top insurers to make sure you're getting the right home insurance coverage at the best possible price. If policy genius finds you a better rate than what you're currently paying, they'll do all the work to get you switched. 
own a car too? Policy Genius will compare your home and auto insurance policies across different insurers and even mix and match to find you savings. They've saved their customers an average of $1,127 per year doing just that. So, if you'd like to put a little cash back in your pocket right now, see how much you can save by reshopping your home insurance rates at policygenius.com. Amen. Hall of Shame is brought to you by Shippo. The number one challenge for most e-commerce business? Shipping. And these days, customers expect it to be flawless. That's why you need Shippo. For e-commerce businesses, shipping in two days or less is a new standard. As a growing business, how can you keep up? Introducing Shippo, your business's new secret weapon. Shippo is the only shipping software for growing businesses that you can start today, set up in minutes, and then ship today. Because they ship hundreds of millions of packages, Shippo's volume discounts save you up to 90% off carrier rates. Simply connect your online store to Shippo. No coding or technical expertise required. They will instantly identify the lowest shipping rates from 55-plus top global carriers like UPS, USPS, FedEx, and DHL. Your orders are automatically pulled in and ready to go. Just click, print, and ship. Plus, automated return labels are free. You only pay if your customers use them. Companies that use Shippo save thousands of dollars, free up hours of valuable time, and on average grow 77% year over year. Join over 100,000 companies like Goat, Hims, and MeUndies who are saving up to 90% off carrier rates with Shippo. For our listeners, they are offering their best discount available anywhere. Get a shipping consultation and Shippo Pro Plan six-month trial for free at goshippo.com slash shame. That's up to a $700 value for free at goshippo.com slash shame. Go right now and get your shipping consultation and Shippo Pro Plan six-month trial for free at goshippo.com slash shame. Okay, we're back. So Ron pretty much manifested his deal with the Lakers. We're all doing dream boards tonight. We're all on the same page. But despite efforts to rehab his image, his public opinion was still fraught. People were still like, okay, same old Ron. Not going to believe it until I see it kind of thing. Yeah. He wanted to prove them all wrong. I don't blame him. He made a big splash a month into his first season with the Lakers. He went on Jimmy Kimmel. I don't know if you remember this. He went on Kimmel in his undiewears. Oh, this is a surprise. I was running late. I'm so sorry. I was running late. I had to get here. They told me you were here, and I just, I figured I'd get dressed. All right, well, that was a great idea. Thank you. How you doing, man? Yeah. Apparently, once upon a time, he boarded a bus to the playoffs in just his underwear. Everyone was talking about it, so he wanted to do this, like, goof on Kimmel. I, A, appreciate it, but love somebody, like, being like, I want everyone to start taking me seriously. I want them to see me in a different way. I'm going to roll up on Kimmel in my undies. (laughs) I understand people. He was just doing weird stuff all the time. No, I get it. I love it. Ron dyed his hair blonde with purple inscriptions, Lakers colors, obviously, that read defense in Hebrew, Japanese, and Hindi. Okay. But despite all of his antics on the court, at least he was getting his shit together that next year in 2010. I remember that the Lakers made it into the playoffs and not just Mm -hmm. the playoffs. They made it to the finals. And who did they play? They played the Boston Celtics. Okay, maybe maybe Kobe's going to have a shower afterwards and he's not going to be crying. It's not going to be solo crying. That's it. So it was a tight series. They made it all the way to game seven. For the entire game, the Lakers and Celtics are neck and neck. The Lakers are up. I remember this. A measly 76-73. If you're not a basketball fan, that's a pretty low-scoring game. So heavy on the defense. Ron's probably busting his ass. In the final minute, Kobe has the ball. Hits it over to Ron. 
Bryant looking. Our test, that's a three. Ron puts up a three and wins the fucking game. By six with a minute to play. Amazing. Finally, a turning point that lasted. That's like the biggest sign of respect. You have Lamar Odom. You have all of these other guys open and you throw it to Ron. You trust yeah. Ron in this moment who's like. To make that shot. The biggest shot of his career. Biggest shot of his life. Amazing. He hits it. He gets it. And they win. It is such a beautiful, triumphant, joyous moment in his life. And I love his post-game interviews. They are absolutely amazing. He thanks some very unexpected people. Uh, first of all, I want to thank everybody in my hood. Thank the World War Warriors, Rockfell, my, my wife, Kimsha, my family, my kids, everybody. I definitely want to thank my doctor, Dr. Sandy, my, um, my psychiatrist. She really helped me relax a lot. Thank you so much. It's so difficult to play. All this fun. There's so much commotion going on in the playoffs. And she helped me relax. I thank you so much. He even goes on to thank his old Pacers teammates and acknowledges the mistakes he made when he was on the team. When I was younger, I bailed out on my Indiana team. I was so young, so egotistical, and I bailed out on Donnie, um, Larry. Kind of heavy for a post-game interview, but he was just getting it all out. Foster, who, who never bails out. He just fights for you, for his team. Steve Jackson, who already had a ring, but continued to fight for us. You can tell it all sits and lands with him. And there is something about people, and we all make mistakes, where when you feel that it has landed with them, it's so much easier to forgive someone. And I feel sometimes like a coward, you know, when I see those guys, because it's like, man, you know, I'm on the Lakers. We got a chance to win. I had a chance to win with you guys, you know, and I feel, you know, almost like a coward, you know, and... I never thought God put me in a situation again because of because of that. So And of course I'm at the blessed. end of the day And um I totally forgot the question you asked. Ron's going to be there. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, the question? Right. I'll, I'll be here all day. Well not all day because I do want to go to a club, so I'll stay for I'll stay for a while. We'll, we'll have some fun. Mark will cut us off at some Hey point people over there on your laptop. He sounds so happy. Hey! Hey all the way over there on your laptop! After everything, me, <laughs> hey. finally some positivity. Yeah. There you go. Yes. Look at my family. Yeah. Positivity in this podcast was needed. <laughs> needed in this world, in this life. Exactly. So it was huge. I think that this finally kind of set off a series of events that let everyone know that he was getting back on track. You know how I said a couple of minutes ago, like, he wanted to prove them all wrong, and then he went on Kimmel in his underwear, but this is where he kind of starts to <laughs> kick it into high gear. Listen, hitting the game-winning shot in Game 7 to give the Lakers a championship against the Celtics, which is like one of the most storied rivalries in all of sports, is kind of a big fucking Absolutely, deal. and for him to thank his therapist, his psychiatrist after, is huge. No one had really known... This is a man working on himself. No one had really known, also, the extent of his mental health struggles at this point. Right. Like people watching from home were probably, in some ways, like, wait... Ron Artest sees a psychiatrist. Right. Except for maybe his teammates and coaches are probably familiar, but. No, but these athletes normalizing mental health is awesome. I just think it was a very vulnerable, cool thing yeah. for him to do. I agree. So, Russian, you're going to love this part. He celebrated the only way he knows how. He went to Circuit City. <laughs> I wish. I absolutely wish. He released a single called Champions. Moment of silence for the champions. For those who make going hard a lifestyle. Which he wrote yeah. before the game even started. 
I'm in the spotlight when they turn the lights down. Only a champ swing the hardest in the 12th round. Which is a absolutely true story. You can probably stream it somewhere. Incredible. How do we make champions a number one hit in quarantine? How do we make the champion song the theme for our podcast? (laughs) (laughs) Or maybe it should be haters with a Z. I don't know. He actually, this is interesting. He put his championship ring up for auction after they won. He's like, I don't need it. And raised over $600,000 for charity to help high-risk youth with mental illness. Okay, that's, now my eyes are tearing up. Oh, are you having a moment? I think it's one of those days where if something's going to hit you, it's going to hit you. You know what I mean? When people step up, you got to give people credit who take the mistakes that they've made and the hardships <gasps> they've had and turn it around to help other people so they they have mm-hmm. less obstacles to those same things. I love that. Beautifully said. So he he wasn't completely reformed or anything. Sure. Okay, let's not get ahead of ourselves. But he here. still did a very good thing. Yes, 1000%. One of the funniest things he did during this time was he decided to drive around L.A. in an open-topped, oversized go-kart. He's celebrating. They just won the NBA Finals, baby. Fucking so would I. But this go-kart looks like it could be for children. Okay? And he's a professional (laughs) basketball player. (laughs) He got pulled over by the cops for going too fast in this Mm go-kart that actually wasn't even licensed. It's not his. It's a go-kart. You can't be driving it. Okay? It's as simple as that. Also, you just pulled over a Laker, dude. Could you not tell? Like, just let him have his moment. Just let him (laughs) drive on the 405 for a little bit. (laughs) But he had been making changes in his life. And in 2011, the moment we have been waiting for, he decided to change his name to Meta World Peace. He said the name was meant to inspire and bring youth together all around the world. Meta is a traditional Buddhist word that means love, kindness, and friendliness towards all. Did he inspire you? I'm I'm inspired. Meta went on to play for the Lakers for three more years, a mostly peaceful and good three years. Yeah. With only one bump in 2012 when he elbowed an OKC player in the head during a game. This guy got a concussion. Meta was suspended for seven games during the playoffs, no less. Not great. He claimed it was unintentional. He was just overzealous after a great dunk, which we've established that happens with Meta quite often. So it's tough to know what happened there. But for the most part, for those last three years with the Lakers, he was a pretty good guy. Pretty good boy. Yeah. He moved to the Knicks until 2014. Then he decided to go play in China, which was interesting because he was still pretty young. Could have probably stayed in the NBA. But in fall of 2014, Meta started playing for the Sichuan Blue Wills in China. While he was there, he changed his name again, Rechna. He did? <laughs> to, <laughs> to the panda's friend. <laughs> because he wanted to honor the giant panda. Um, so what I want is for you, <laughs> by our next recording, to have what you're going to change your name to in quarantine. I think... I think I've decided. I think oh. the panda's friend is a really good <laughs> What if you did the panda's friend's friend? <laughs> <laughs> the panda's acquaintance. <laughs> okay. He left China. He goes to Italy. He tries to convince Kobe to come to Italy. Kobe's like, nah, not for me. He goes back to the shower like he does. <laughs> Kobe. I've returned with a proposition for you. Kobe's like, this is the shower in my house. What are you doing here? (laughs) Okay, so he actually didn't finish out his year in Italy. Instead, in September 2015, he's like, okay, Kobe, back to the showers we go. (laughs) He returns to the Lakers. 
He plays the final two years of his career with them, retires in 2017. Through all of this, he's still playing hardball. He's getting fouled. That stuff absolutely never stopped. Not once. He is one of the most fun players I've ever watched play basketball. He plays so hard, but never got to malice at the palace level. So he was, you know, he evened out a little bit. Yeah, he kept it chill. Maybe the biggest moment of personal development for him. Do you guys remember in episode one, Malice at the Palace, there was a guy that threw a cup of Diet Coke at Ron Artest's head, which set off this whole thing. His name was John Green. Meta tweeted out a picture of him randomly one day and said, if someone can find me this guy, I will buy you lunch. And sure enough, somebody recognized him and gave him his number and said, you owe me lunch now. He called up this guy and they just talked. They realized they actually had a ton in common. John suffered from many of the ailments that Meta did. He was a recovering alcoholic. He suffered with anxiety, depression, all of that stuff. So a huge moment for Meta. A lot of people didn't understand, but I think this was the final step in the healing. I am back, like, eyes brimming. This is an emotional roller coaster. What is this going one. on with you today? Wow, you're feeling. I don't know. It. Maybe it's day twenty five of quarantine or whatever. <laughs> I just. I feeling... actually think it's day four hundred and two. So oh. even more understandable. My bad. The two parter gets you because you're hooked. You're invested in this person. Now you're invested in this guy. You've seen him at his rock bottom, yeah. and all of a sudden you're like, "Screw you, Ron Artest." We've laughed with his antics. We felt for his hardships. We're with him when he tries to reform. I mean. I love that. So Meta World Peace, in the end, he's a complicated dude. Sure. But holy shit, if he is not one of the most fascinating characters in all of sports. I Agreed. Also, he's got to be one of the first guys in the NBA, maybe even sports period, to really, really advocate for mental health. Agreed. I was going to say, like, there's all these players right now. It's sort of becoming more of a thing. But I don't really even remember it being contextualized that way at that time. Like, I feel like now we can look back and be like, holy shit, long before anyone else was talking about it. Yeah. And it took a while. Like, just for context, I think that him thanking his psychiatrist happened in, like, what, 2007? I have some right. some notes here. In September of 2019, NBA adopts new rules requiring teams to add full-time mental health staff. In May of 2019, the NFL announced a series of mental health initiatives. So it still took so many years for them to get to that place. But he was one of the first people that started to have those conversations that probably helped so many people. It's so important. And I... I'm moved by it. So am I, dude. Like the journey of Ron Artest to Meta World Peace to Panda's friend back to Meta World Peace is a journey. Yeah. And I know we love to talk about scandals on the podcast. That's what this podcast is all about. But I really just felt like with everything that's going on, you know, we're all having such a hard time. I feel like I really wanted to tell a story about somebody that was getting through hard times and yeah. ended up on the other side in a better place. And I just, you know, we're also struggling with our mental health big time right now. And I, I wanted to, you know, highlight somebody who did great things for that space. Yeah. Thanks, man. I don't think I realized that piece of it to the degree that you have just described it and the degree to which he owned it. Yeah. Now that you say it, I remember him thinking his psychiatrist, but I feel like at the time it was more of a whatever. And now you look back and you're like, oh, he normalized the fact that he, one of the great athletes playing in the NBA at the time, sought mental health care. That's incredible. It's also pretty incredible that like 
Kevin Love in the NBA came out and talked about mm-hmm. his struggle with anxiety and depression. depression and I yeah. want to say 2018. So two yeah. years ago. And that was shocking to people. This was 2018. Can you imagine like 11 years back? I think what was really jarring for people is that Ron Artest, oh my God, he's this incredible superstar and he's winning the NBA. He's putting up that three pointer and like, wait, he's sick. Who knows what kind of conversations people were having about mental health and mental illness in 2007. If totally. they're people are still shocked about athletes struggling with those things now, like, come on. I think someone who's had such a hard life like him, I think in particular where there's not privilege, there can be like even less access to mental health. So Ron Artest selling his ring for $600,000. That's amazing. Yeah. I want to ask you one more question before we go. Okay. Do you think... People talk about mental health enough in sports. Are you hopeful and positive about the things that I just told you that were being established? Do you think that there needs to be more? Do you think people should be? I'm really not that shocked when players come out and say like, yeah, I suffer with depression, especially if it's like a football player or somebody that deals with concussions a lot. I'm like, oh yeah, I'm sorry that you didn't come out about this sooner because it's totally understandable. Yeah, I am hopeful. Things like in just this past fall, the NBA saying a therapist has to travel with the team at all times and stuff like that. That's hopeful. I think there's not a space where mental health is less considered and not looked at enough than in sports in general. I also think with young men and men in particular being athletes, yeah. you know, they want to be viewed as these like rock hard. Like I'm sure Kevin Love probably got shit. Oh yeah. And I just think it's that toxic masculinity stuff happening at a high level. I can't yeah. talk. <laughs> I know it's cheesy to say, but, you know, it's okay to not be okay because I don't think any of us are okay right now and it's totally okay that we're not okay. Also, as Brene would say, vulnerability is like the ultimate strength, the ultimate courage. Mm-hmm. So You were vulnerable today. I appreciate that. Hey, man. Same. Reshna, let's end with a little positivity here. In the words of the great meta world piece, for those who make going hard a lifestyle, never waver. Thank you guys for listening. We'll see you back here next week. Bye. Moment of silence for the champions, for those who make going hard a lifestyle. Hall of Shame is a product of Crooked Media. The show is produced by Caroline Reston and Allison Falzetta. Our executive producers are Sarah Geismer and Stephen Hoffman. Engineering and sound design by Kyle Seglin and Charlotte Landis. Our theme music is by Taka Yasuzawa. Thank you to Sydney Rapp and Brian Semmel for production support every week. The buzzer, baby. My stroke is holding one. You see the checkered flag, finish line. Yeah, I come. And I ain't got a brag. I let the trophies do it. Around here, we the best. Now come and hold me to it. I specialize in everything that can't be done. Ain't no more talking about it. Moment of silence for the champion. They say we warriors. They say we did it again. Hands high for the champion. We are victorious. Sounds for the champions. Hey, yo, hey, yo, hey.